It's time for the Ship Report, the show about all things maritime. I'm Joanne Rideout. It's Thursday, September 29th, 2016. We have 21 vessels on today's Columbia River ship schedule. In our marine weather forecast, we have north winds 10 to 15 knots today, gusting to 20 knots. And today we'll talk about the results of an OSU, Oregon State University, study about how a major tsunami event would affect the Columbia River. So of great interest to those of us who live in river communities here in the lower Columbia region. But first, a look at our Columbia River ship schedule for the day. We have six inbounders, we have 10 in the Astoria Anchorage, and we have five outbounders heading downriver and out to sea. Our first arrival in the river is the Apollo. She's a bulk carrier from South Korea headed for Astoria's Anchorage. She's going upriver to pick up wheat. She will um, arrive in the Anchorage at about 2.30 a.m. today. Then we have the Norwegian Jewel. She's another cruise ship. We certainly have been cruise ship rich the past few days in Astoria. She's arriving from Vancouver, British Columbia, headed for the port of Astoria, and she will arrive around maybe around 7 a.m. You'll see cruise ship passengers enjoying Astoria today. The Swan River is a, a bulk carrier arriving from South Korea today, headed for Longview. She's picking up pet coke there, and she will pass Astoria around 10.30 a.m. and arrive in Longview about 2 p.m. She'll anchor offshore for a bit and then head to the dock later on. The Kronos Island is arriving from Japan, a bulk carrier, headed for the Astoria Anchorage. She is a wheat, a ship picking up wheat today. She'll arrive in the Anchorage around 10.30 a.m., stay there until about 1 p.m., and then head to Vancouver, Washington, um, and arrive there about 7 o'clock this evening. The Supreme Ace is arriving from Tacoma, headed for Portland. Uh, she's a car carrier, so brand new Hondas on that ship. She'll pass Astoria around 11.30 a.m. and arrive in Portland around 5.30 p.m. The Nord Pegasus is arriving from South Korea, headed for Astoria's Anchorage. She will be headed for Kalama to pick up corn, soy, or wheat. Look for her um, in the Astoria Anchorage at about 2.30 p.m. In our outbounders, we have the Fu Min leaving uh, the Anchorage for Kalama to pick up corn, soy, or wheat. She'll be leaving around 6 a.m., Maybe you'll see her in Kalama by about 11 a.m. today. Uh, uh, the Kronos Island, as I said, will be leaving around 1 p.m., headed for Vancouver. And we have some vessels awaiting orders. The Grace One, the Alpha Melody, the Trustin Trader One, the Capitola, the MG Explorer, and the Teresa Heinen. And our outbounders, we have a ship called the Evergrace, leaving Kalama, carrying could be corn, soy, or wheat, or some combination of the three, departing around 10.30 a.m., she could pass Astoria outbound around 3.30 p.m. The Clipper Vision is leaving Kalama carrying wheat, departing around 11.30 a.m., passing Astoria outbound around 4.30 p.m. The ATB Ocean Reliance is leaving Portland uh, with petroleum, leaving around noontime, passing Astoria outbound around 6 p.m. The K&E SE departing Vancouver carrying soda ash today at about 4.30 p.m. will pass Astoria outbound around 10.30 p.m. And the ATB Pride is leaving Vancouver carrying petroleum in her barge. She's an articulated tug and barge rig, leaving around 10.30 p.m., passing Astoria outbound around 4.30 a.m. on Tuesday. A little more uh, from our marine weather forecast. We have north winds, 10 to 15 knots, gusting to 20, as I said. Wind waves from the north, 2 feet high at 4 seconds between wave crests. And we have northwest swells, 5 feet high at 7 seconds apart. Well, so I saw this article recently, and I wanted to share it with you because it is so relevant to us here at the mouth of the Columbia River. Scientists have tried for years now to predict how a tsunami wave would affect our area by using mathematical models of how they think the river would behave. In the past, they were stymied by the many variables at play here on the lower Columbia that could affect the movement of a tsunami wave in the river. Now scientists at OSU 
using data gathered from the 2011 tsunami in Japan, think they have a viable model for tsunami activity on the Columbia. This article, which I'm about to share with you, is on the OSU website, and the headline is Study Outlines Impact of Tsunami on the Columbia River. So I'm going to read you some excerpts from it. Engineers at Oregon State University have completed one of the most precise evaluations yet done about the impact of a major tsunami event on the Columbia River. What forces are most important in controlling water flow and what areas might be inundated? They found in general that tidal stages are far more important than river flow in determining the impact of a tsunami, that it would have its greatest effect at the highest tides of the year, and that a tsunami would be largely dissipated within about 50 miles of the river's mouth near Longview. Any water level increases caused by a tsunami would be so slight as to be almost immeasurable around the Portland metropolitan area or Bonneville Dam, the study showed. But water could rise as much as 13 feet just inside the mouth of the Columbia River and almost 7 feet within a few miles of Astoria. The impact of tsunamis on rivers is difficult to predict, researchers say because many variables are involved that can either dampen or magnify their effect. Such factors can include the width and shape of river mouths, bays, river flow, tidal effects, and other forces. But the major tsunami in Japan in 2011, which was caused by geologic forces similar to those facing us here in the Pacific Northwest, also included significant inland reach and damage on local rivers. As a result, researchers are paying increased attention to the risks facing residents along such rivers. Of some interest is that the lowest elevation of a tsunami wave generally occurs at a high tide, but its overall flooding impact is the greatest because the tide levels are already so high. Because of complex hydrodynamic interactions, the study also found that only on a flood tide would water actually wash up and over the southern tip of the Columbia River mouth with some local flooding based on that. Tides overall had much more impact on the reach of a tsunami than did the amount of water flowing in the river. Based on a maximum 9.0 earthquake, um, magnitude earthquake and associated tsunami at the highest tide of the year, researchers concluded these, these uh, bullet points. Just offshore, the tsunami would raise water levels about 11 and a half to 13 feet. Just inside the mouth of the Columbia, the water would rise about 13 feet. At River Mile 6, approaching Hammond, the river would rise about 10 feet. At River Mile 25, near Welch Island, the water would rise about 1.6 feet. And at River Mile 50, near Longview, there would be no measurable rise in the river. So there's some interesting um, uh, research from an article on the OSU website. Some years ago, I attended a symposium at OSU in Corvallis on this topic and sat in a, in a room with uh, researchers giving various uh, pa issuing papers and talking about this. And one of the things they said was that if the tsunami hit the river on a strong ebb, for instance, instead of the high tide, as it says in this article, the force of the water might actually slow the flow of a tsunami wave, but might cause it to be higher at temporarily at the mouth of the river. At that time, scientists were a bit stymied as to what might really happen because the river system is so very complex and the, as the timing of when a, a major tsunami event hit the river would, um, would affect what happened, certainly. And another thing is that the mouth of the Columbia River 
kind of slants toward the south, so a tsunami wave coming to us, say, from Alaska in the north would not be funneled into the river quite the same way as, as it would if it were slightly arriving from the south from offshore. But it looks like researchers now have been able to take their computer modeling a step further and give us more information about what might possibly happen if, uh, if this sort of an event were to occur here, which scientists tell us, tell us is pretty much a certainty at some point. You've been listening to The Ship Report, the show about all things maritime. I'm Joanne Rideout. Thanks for listening. You can uh, hear a podcast of this program on my website at shipreport.net. Have a great day. <laughs>